0: Empty Set Entertainment presents Slay, created by Scott Sigler and Rob Otto, performed by Scott Sigler. This story is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Howdy, junkie. I hope you're ready for your next dose of the Sigler Fix, because this episode is some damn good shit right here. I am currently working away on The Crypt Book 2. Now, this requires a detailed starting process as I'm mapping out the plots of all four remaining books in the series all at the same time. And there are some huge plot points I want to get at and killer scenes that I need to foreshadow correctly. So your jaw properly drops and your gasp properly gasps. I'm going for really big picture stuff here. Now, Mark Twain once said, there is no such thing as a new idea. With all due respect to Mr. Clemens, I beg to differ Now, while I haven't read everything in the sci-fi field, and I haven't seen every movie, I think I've got some stuff in the Crypt series that has never been done before. I hope you will come along for that Hellship's long, long journey. Now, if you haven't read book one yet, get on it, man! The Crypt Shakedown by me, Scott Sigler. Published by Athan Books, you can snag it in hardcover, audiobook, or ebook. All the purchasing links you need are at scottsigler.com slash thecrypt. And, of course, you can read the synopsis of the book there if you're unfamiliar with it and see all the lovely blurbs that wonderful writers have given me for this story. All right, enough of the highbrow sci-fi horror chat. Let's get back to the nasty side of town where the deals go down and bad people do bad things. Let me get you caught up on Slay's story so far, and then we're all gonna go chug a tall boy. Previously, on Slay. Billy needs to learn how to use his powers. Ariella asked Callius Drummond to train him in exchange for Lincoln acting as bodyguard for Callius' teenage daughter, Delilah. Kellius's response? He needs a protector, not a killer. Billy will have to find training elsewhere. Droman did, however, improve the magical security of the old stone church, for which he charged a high price, a price Ariella and Magda were unable to pay. Ariella asked Lincoln to sell her golem charm for 500 gold, an amount that would have paid for Droman's work and then some. Lincoln did not get the amount Ariella asked for, but he did score a very nice pawn shop panini maker. And now, episode forty-four of Slay. You only got two fifty for it. Ariella stood in the kitchen doorway, Bafamal's big binder of bounties under one arm. Glaring at Lincoln, who was leaning against the kitchen counter, eating a delicious pesto turkey panini. Billy and Magda were next to him, Billy with a sun dried tomato panini and Magda with a Reuben panini. Lincoln knew they needed to get some chairs in the kitchen to replace the ones broken up during the rampage of Dragon, who lay on the floor, eating an Alpo panini and wagging her tail like there was no tomorrow. Uh, 250. And this dope panini maker, Lincoln said. It gives you any panini you want. You want a panini? We don't need paninis, you drunken idiot, Ariella said. We need gold pieces. Lincoln pointed at the panini maker. Yeah, but think of the money we'll save on food. Magda and Billy, mouths full, both nodded. On food? Ariella stepped to the kitchen table which was still intact, somehow, and slammed the binder down on it. We owe Kellius Droman 300 gold for the work he did, and you're worried about a food bill that amounts to, what, one silver a month, two at most? Are you fucking serious? Lincoln wasn't really sure how things converted from dollars to Cordis currency. One silver was worth what? 500 bucks? 750? In that context, at least, he had made a bit of a mistake. "Ah, Don't forget inflation, he said. Ariella put her hands on her hips. Don't forget inflation? What the hell does that mean? Lincoln didn't know what it meant. It just seemed like something that might get her off his ass. I'll make it up, he said. I'll get a big-ticket bounty after I search for Teddy Two Fingers. She threw up her hands and let out a sound that might have been a growly, exasperated "fack," only without the ending consonant. She opened the binder like it owed her money and it needed a bitch slap. Kellius gave us a one-week grace period, she said. One week, Lincoln. We don't have time for you to chase the ghosts of your past. Not right now, all right? The fact that Ariella had overspent, again, and that was the reason for the rush to acquire gold didn't really matter. One did not want to be on Kellius Droman's bad side. All right, Lincoln said, we'll do it your way. He shoved the rest of the panini in his mouth and stood next to her. Ariella seemed to relax. Well, there is the cabooter in camping. Lincoln chewed, shook his head. He wasn't ready to go up against a spider monkey just yet. That sounded like a three-person job at least. In Lynchburg, he'd thought he might bring Billy along on the next hunt, but he had changed his mind. He didn't want to put Billy in danger. Lincoln would remain a solo hunter. That was the easiest way. Ariella flipped a page. This guy stole a floating carpet right here in Lumencia. Ona wants it back. Bounty is only 50 gold though, she flipped. This is new, a Wendigo in Wisconsin, pays 300. Link made a, hmm, maybe noise. She turned the page. He has a Banshee in Baton Rouge, 500, that's excellent. I have a temporary deafness charm that could help. Banshees were the worst. No matter what hearing protection you used, you had tinnitus for weeks. And they always smelled like Cheetos, which, for some reason, Lincoln found disturbing. Ariella flipped pages, skipping past the ones that offered a magical item as a reward. They needed cold, hard gold. Oh, look at this one, she said. A basilisk in Boise. 750 gold, Lincoln. You ever killed a basilisk before? Two of them. He glanced at Magda and smiled. Remember, Mags? She nodded. We caught him fucking. One sword, two gourd. Like Friday the 13th, Billy said, with the spear. Lincoln remembered that movie. Jacoby had shown it to he and Sophia when they were little and had laughed his ass off through the whole thing. The binder. That carpet. Ariella asked Magda a question, but Lincoln didn't hear it. He flipped back to that page. He read the fine print. Known record. Previous bounties. Known or reported locations. Known criminal associates. No way. This one. Lincoln put his finger on the page. This Felco Chikandi guy. I'll leave right now. Ariella glanced at the binder. But that's only 50 gold. We need more, and we need it fast. Add that to the $250 I got for your golem charm, and Droman is paid. Droman isn't the only one we owe, Ariella said. There's still bingles, and the contractors, and shitbird and I will track this carpet guy down tonight, then we'll boogie to Boise and bust ass on a banshee, Lincoln said. Cool, Mags, arm me up. He didn't wait for Ariella's response. He headed for the basement. Ariella could whine all she wanted. As far as Magda was concerned, the panini maker was awesome. Next time she got the munchies, problem solved. Billy held dragon cradled in one arm. Magda pulled a two-liter of pawberry red fizzo from the fridge. She refilled Billy's glass with the bubbling red liquid. She offered the two-liter to Ariella. No thanks, Ariella said. Discount sugar water mixed with piss is not my bag. Did she have to be a bitch about everything? Well, yes, that was what bitches did. At least she'd offered to help with this conversation. Magda returned the two liter to the fridge, then pulled a fifth of five o'clock vodka from the freezer. Her mug was still half full of fizzo. She topped it off with the vodka. All right. Let's get started. She took a gulp. Billy, you got natural ability with magic. It's up to me to train you with it. Ariella will help. You can see things with your naked eye that I can't see without my meshwork goggles. That means you have the potential to be a real mage, Ariella said. A powerful one. Billy thought about that for a moment. What did Delilah mean when she said, I smelled like her dad? Some enlightened can smell the auras of others, Magda said. I used to be able to, not so much anymore. Lincoln can, so can Delilah, apparently. I think she smelled the raw power you have, Ariella said. If she thinks you smell like Kellius, it's a big deal. Magda says you can actually see filaments, like with your naked eye? Billy shrugged. I guess so. But I still don't get all of this. I can see these filaments and fibers and shit. I sort of knew how to break that front door spell and how to free Dragon from that net. But to be honest, it's all gibberish to me. I don't understand a lick of it. Magda took another gulp. Tell me what you do understand. I know filaments are the raw material, Billy said. They're harvested from the emotions of the purblind. Pullers are the people who collect those filaments. Spinners turn filaments into fibers. Then weavers turn fibers into mesh. I guess it's like like pullers would collect wool, spinners would make yarn, and weavers could knit different kinds of yarn into many different kinds of sweaters. Magda raised her mug. Well done. Thanks, Billy said. So this is, what, this is my training intro? You gonna teach me to be a mesh worker like you, Mags? Magda laughed. Huh, I'm no mesh worker. I saw you make no-heel bullets, Billy said. I helped you use the force, or whatever the fuck this shit is, to take dents out of Lincoln's armor. That's meshwork, right? Ariella pressed a charm on her gaudy necklace. A glass of red wine appeared in the air before her. She took it by the stem. My necklace has charms I know how to use, like to conjure up this lovely glass of Opus One, she said. I can use the charms but I can't make them. Charms are meshwork with a consistent result. Think of it like this. If I buy a Big Mac, God forbid, I know what I'm getting. I don't need to know shit about how to make one. I'm a restaurant customer, so to speak. Magda here can assemble a Big Mac if she has the right ingredients, but she's a cook, not a chef. You follow? Billy's face wrinkled. No, I I don't. Cooks and chefs make food. What's the difference? Magda opened a cabinet, tossed Billy a box of Frau Munda's shells and cheese-ish stuff. He caught it, looked at it. Could you make that big bee? She asked. Of "Course," he said. "We have butter and milk. Everything else is inside. The recipe's right here on the box." Magda nodded. "That's what I do. I follow recipes." What I can't do is make my own shells from scratch and make them exactly like the ones in the box. I can't make the cheese powder exactly like it needs to be. I can't make the foil envelope the powder comes in. And I can't make the box itself, down to the paper, the right ink, the right folding, and the right glue to seal it shut. I'm a cook. I'm not a chef slash chemist, slash engineer, slash designer, slash a bunch of other shit. I have no idea how to do those things. Ariella nodded in agreement, took a sip of wine. Billy turned the box this way and that. Never thought about it that way, he said. You're saying someday I could do the equivalent of chef, slash chemist, slash engineer, slash designer stuff? Magda nodded. Billy set the box on the counter. I still don't get it, he said. I'm no scientist, but I know a little bit about science. None of this shit obeys the laws of physics. I mean, from what little I know, this meshwork stuff isn't even reproducible on a consistent basis. It's, it's. Magda poured more vodka into her mug. Don't try and map what you think you know to what's real, she said. Magic ain't science, and science ain't magic. Billy grew somber. You can't magic this stuff, he said. That's what Joe told me before. Well, before. His friend, Joe, the one Lincoln had killed. That was going to stick with Billy a while, obviously. Good. Loyalty, even occasionally misplaced loyalty, was a fine. Trait. Ariella glanced at Baffamal's big binder of bounties, which sat closed atop the kitchen table. Magda, she said. Was it weird to you that Lincoln wanted that small bounty first? Magda drained the rest of her fizzo and vodka. It was about time to get very, very high. Maybe Billy would do gobbers with her. Link is nothing but weird, Magda said. But that's lit for you. Why just wake up when you can wake up and choose violence? Ariella stepped to the table and opened the binder. She read for a moment, then threw her glass against the wall. It shattered. Red wine started to drip down before glass and alcohol alike evaporated into a pink mist. That piece of shit! Shit! magda and billy joined her what is it billy asked ariella pointed to the binder page which showed a sketch of a black man wearing wraparound sunglasses and lists of information written in old world script the page was titled falco chikandi clandestine carpet thief look at his known associates ariella said god damn it lincoln Magda looked at the information blocks, skipped over known record, previous bounties, known or reported locations, down to known criminal associates. Well, damn, she said. No surprise there. Billy leaned in and looked. Known associates. Teddy Two He looked at Magda. Isn't that the guy who kidnapped Link's son? Ariella stormed out of the kitchen, shouting profanities. That's him, all right. That's him. Whoever this clandestine carpet thief was, he was in trouble. A whole lot of trouble. Fucking crackers. Shitbird cut through the night sky above Kendrick Heights and the Luminaria River. Some good garbage on that river. Bloated drowned rats were so delicious. As delicious as crackers? Not even close. Lincoln had promised Shitbird four bags of crackers for finding the man in the binder. Four bags. Lincoln had never promised four bags before. He must really have a bug up his cloaca to find that man. Shitbird had three places to search, all in Kendrick Heights, Stooley's Bar and Grill, Vondetta's Soul Holes, and Gas Bags Speakeasy. Shitbird knew them all. Stooley's had a breakfast buffet and would often throw out scrambled eggs when cockroaches got into them. Why anyone would throw out eggs and cockroaches was beyond Shitbird, but then again, people were, by and large, very fucking stupid. Shitbird banked towards Stooley's. It was a block from the river, and so run down, it was kind of hard to tell the difference between the restaurant and the old dumpsters behind it. Shitbird zipped past a window, felt the buzz of excitement in his posterior air sacs. That was the guy. Right there, sitting at the old bar with the brass rail. Four bags of crackers. Four fucking bags of crackers. Soon, they would be shitbirds. Oh yes, they would. Shitbird focused on the image of the man at the bar, then mentally sent that image to Lincoln. Lincoln walked into Stooley's bar and grill, mentally repeating a mantra. Don't kill him right away. Don't kill him right away. He'd left his rixator gear in his bike's hard box. He could have burned mesh to disguise his cloak and armor, but he wasn't sure he could maintain the concentration needed. Incandescent rage will do that to a guy. There he was, sitting at the bar. Thoko Chikandi wearing a garish yellow-and-gray Lumencia Leopards leather jacket. He had his black cowboy boots on the brass footrest. The asshole was even wearing his wraparound sunglasses. Indoors. At ten to midnight. Two big fuckers sat on either side of him. The one on the right looked like a professional wrestler wearing lumberjack clothes. Other than his size, he looked normal to any purblind patrons, but Lincoln saw the black demon horns curving up from his temples. The guy on the left wore blue jeans and a white button-down. Full beard, thick head of hair. To the purblind, he was a typical low-rent bar patron, but Lincoln saw the reality of the underskin. A werewolf, straight out of a horror movie. All three sat on stools at the bar, laughing, tall boys of Radiance Red Ale in front of them. The place was not even a quarter full. Hard to make out faces, as half the lights were broken. No sign of the bartender. Maybe he was in the back, through the salon doors behind the bar. Lincoln's boot soles squicked in spots of sticky beer coating the old wooden floor. He sidestepped a small puddle of blood with a tooth in it Remnants of a fight earlier in the evening, no doubt. He stood behind Thoko. The man reeked of evil. Theft, of course, but also violence against the weak and of callous indifference to pain and suffering. The two men on his sides smelled like they enjoyed inflicting pain, like they got off on it. Lincoln tapped Thoko on the shoulder. Excuse me. Are you Mr. Chikandi? All three men turned their heads. Lincoln saw himself reflected in the wraparound glasses. Not big, but big enough. Black and gray flannel shirt, black knit hat pulled down almost to his slate gray eyes. Eyes full of hate. Who's asking? Thoko said. The name's Bartholomew Minimax, Lincoln said. I'm in the rug business. I heard through the grapevine that you got a special one. Thoko sneered. Don't know what you're talking about. I had a carpet, but I sold it. And it ain't the one you want anyway. Not if you know what's good for you. Fuck off. He turned his back to Lincoln. As did the werewolf and the demon. Lincoln tapped him on the shoulder again. I need to know who you sold it to. All three turned again, more annoyed this time, angrier this time. He told you to fuck off, the demon said. Yeah, the werewolf said, before you get hurt. Lincoln held up his hands. Okay, okay. He took a step back. Really sorry, Mr. Chikandi. I'll just go now. Chikandi nodded. He and his friends turned back to the bar. Which one to start with? Lincoln reached out, grabbed a horn, and slammed the demon's face into the brass bar rail three times fast. Bam! 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 On the second hit, bone crunched. On the third, two pointed teeth scattered to the ground. The werewolf came off his stool fast, but Lincoln hooked his foot under Chikandi's stool and yanked it out from under him, dropping him to the ground. The werewolf had to pause to stop from tripping over the man. Lincoln snap-kicked Chikandi in the face. The werewolf slashed a claw at Lincoln's throat. Lincoln blocked the blow. Walk away, Harry, Lincoln said, or you get an anatomy lesson. The werewolf snarled. I'll give you an anatomy lesson when I cut out your liver and I eat it while you watch. Bzz, Lincoln said, wrong body part. The werewolf snapped his head forward to bite Lincoln's face. Lincoln ducked under it, then brought his knee up into his opponent's groin, lifting him up off the ground. The werewolf sagged, leaned heavily against the bar rail, lips curled in pain. The lesson is titled, The Wolfman Has Nards, Lincoln said. He locked his hands around the back of the werewolf's thick neck, pulled down as he brought his knee up over and over again, into the man's groin. The wolf man has narts! Lincoln let go. The limp werewolf fell, started vomiting on the beer sticky floor. The demon rolled to hands and knees, started to rise. Lincoln drove his boot sole down on the back of the demon's head, smashing his face against the footrail. Another tooth scattered away. The demon fell flat and did not move. Felco stared up, his wraparound sunglasses still on, but one lens broken, revealing an eye wide with fear. Stay down, Lincoln said. The bar had emptied out. At Stooley's, job one was to drink, job two was to not get involved in someone else's bar fight. The salon doors behind the bar. Flapped open. A brunette woman with a low cut top, significant cleavage, and glossy black bat wings walked out holding a case of Radiance Red Ale Tallboys. She stopped cold. Uh, hey Link, she said. Hey Maylene, when did you start working here? A week ago. Maylene glanced over the bar at the vomiting werewolf. I, uh, take it you didn't come here to ask me out on another date? Lincoln shook his head. Not this time. Why don't you go into the back and uh, count stock? Maylene glanced over the bar again, saw Thoko and the unmoving demon. Count stock, she said. That's a great idea. See you around? Sure, Lincoln said. Sometime soon. Maylene set the case of beer on the counter and walked through the saloon doors. Lincoln drew his compact Luger LCR pistol from his back holster, knelt next to Thoko, and pressed the pistol's barrel against Thoko's crotch. Now I asked you about a carpet, Lincoln said. I sold it, Thoko said. I ain't got it, I swear. Let's hope your entrepreneurial spirit made the right choice. Did you sell it to Teddy Two Fingers? Lincoln held his breath hoping for the affirmative, praying for it. Yeah, man, Thoko said. So, uh, you better get out of here. You know who Teddy is, right? A smile twisted Lincoln's lips. You lucky man, he said. Would you like to go for double jeopardy where the scores can really change? Thoko blinked. Are you holding a gun to my balls and quoting Die Hard? Lincoln pushed the barrel in harder. Thoco winced. Yeah, yeah, I'll play, I'll play. Don't kill him right away. Don't kill him right away. I hope that you are the piece of shit I think you are, Lincoln said. And by piece of shit, I mean I hope you put a tracker on that carpet because a fuckstick like you would probably try to steal it again so you could sell it again. Am I right? Thoko craned his head, looked down at the 22 caliber pistol jammed against his crotch. Yeah, man, he said. You're right. Well, yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. You get to keep your testicles, Lincoln said. For now. Fire up that tracker, asswipe. You're going to lead me to Teddy Two Fingers, and you're going to do it right now. You have been listening to Slay, created by Scott Sigler and Rob Otto, performed by Scott Sigler, copyright 2024 Empty Set Entertainment. For more info on Scott Sigler, his novels, short stories and podcasts, visit scottsigler.com. Theme music is the song They're Watching Me by the band Super Weapon.